Hello and welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. The ANZHFR would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today's podcast will be led by anaesthetists Dr John Barry and Dr Sean McManus, discussing their role in patient care for those presenting with hip fracture including the challenges of pain management in older patients and those with cognitive impairment. Hello, John. Hey, Sean. Um, uh, John, um, uh, I, I know you, but I guess other people may not know you. Would you like to uh, give people just a short introduction of who you are and then I'll let people know who I am? Yeah, so, so, so my name is John Barry. I'm originally from Ireland. I've been in Australia for many years. I've been um, an anaesthetist up at the Cairns Hospital now for the past 25 years. And um, for the past few years up there, I've been the sort of the on-site principal investigator for the, for the hip fracture registry. And uh, my name's uh, Sean McManus. Um, uh, I've also worked in Cairns. In fact, uh, John was one of my supervisors. And for the last number of years, I've been on Ansgar College Council with the role of Peril for Medicine. And I guess John and I have also shared a role on the Australian New Zealand Hip Factor Registry. And, uh, and we're here just to have a bit of a discussion about analgesia for fractured neck of femur, but with, with particular emphasis on what anaesthetists can do to improve that um, for our patients. Which um, I guess leads me on to the first question, John. Um, do you think we're doing a good job at the moment in this area? Well, well, I think we're improving all the time, Sean, but, um, but we're not perfect. Um, 40% of the hospitals in the last report did not have a documented assessment of pain within 30 minutes of the patient arriving in the hospital. And so I think elderly patients with hip fractures are at risk of being undertreated for pain. And the importance of decent pain management is now well established. Um, for patients um, in pain have a higher risk of delirium, they're slower to mobilize, and they have a longer hospital stay. Good pain relief can be challenging in this pain group though, especially pain and movement, and especially in those patients with cognitive impairment. Um, firstly, assessment is often difficult. Patients with cognitive impairment are less likely um, to complain of pain or request analgesia, and are therefore at risk of being undertreated. But there are many tools available now to assess pain in these patients, such as the pain, advance, pain assessment in advanced dementia. Um, I just say though as well that that pain assessment must be a continuous process to meet a patient's analgesic requirements. It's best to um, repeat these um, assessments at regular intervals. Um, and John, uh, it's interesting uh, when you speak about that, you speak from a point of view of some ex expertise, but I guess for people who aren't anaesthetists, sometimes the, all the different um, alternatives of treating pain can be quite uh, complicated. I mean, what, what's your view on all of the alternatives that we have for pain management, particularly with these patients? Well, one of, one of the mainstays of our acute pain management is multimodal analgesia, including IDPCA. But the drugs used in these regimens have greater potential to cause harm in the elderly. And particularly in the context of renal dysfunction, NSAIDs are often contraindicated. And although there's little data, tramadol has been associated with confusion and delirium. And also patients who are confused should not be given a PCA. And so you're often reduced to Panadol and PRN Endone, which is clearly not sufficient, especially for movement pain. 
And opiates themselves are not without their own issues. They cause sedation and constipation and may also be associated with delirium. And that's what makes regional blocks so attractive. The best form of analgesia in this group of patients is a block and timely surgery. Um, and I guess, you know, from an anaesthetist point of view, there's many advantages of blocks, but for those people who maybe don't have as much expertise, they seem um, a little bit um, complicated. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what are the big advantages? Why, why are we so keen as anaesthetists to promote the use of blocks, John? Well, the, well, the first thing is that um, regional blocks work. Um, they provide excellent pain and movement, and they also reduce the consumption of opiates and may reduce the incidence of delirium and pneumonia and even shorten hospital stay. And um, febrile nerve blocks and fasci iliaca blocks have become the most popular. So, to, so just going through those two blocks, um, you can use a femoral nerve block, but ultrasound is the safest way to do it. And this, of course, requires training as well as equipment, equipment and experience, especially as the femoral nerve um, often doesn't show up well in ultrasound and can be injured performing this block. Alternatively, you can use a fasciolaca block. These are just as effective as a femoral nerve block, and they are safe with a very low incidence of neuropraxia. They're also quick and easy to insert and can be inserted by nursing and um, paramedical staff. In fact, they have been the standard block inserted by our APS nurses since 2006. Now, the aim is to place local anesthetic between the femoral and the lateral cutaneous nerve of the thigh, just below the inguinal ligament. You insert the needle a third of the way along a line joining the anterior superior iliac spine and the pubic tubercle. Drop down one centimeter and then check that you're well away from the femoral artery. Essentially, you should be halfway between the artery and the ASIS. Now, the beauty of this block and the reason it's so safe is that there is nothing here but fascia and muscle. There are no important structures to hit. We use the double pop technique. There are two distinct pops or losses of resistance as you go through the fascia layers. And this is a very easy block to learn and you don't need ultrasound. Now, one of the criticisms of nerve blocks, though, is that they only last for a finite time before wearing off. And then you're back to square one. But the patient is now up, is sort of likely to be up on the ward where there's a lower nurse-patient ratio and pain relief may not be immediately available. And one answer is the fascia iliaca catheter. You use an epidural needle when performing the block, which incidentally makes the pops very obvious. And then after the initial bolus, you insert a catheter through the needle and use this to prolong the block. We've been using these catheters for over 15 years. An infusion of local anesthetic won't work though. Um, you need a bolus to give you the spread and to block the femoral nerve. And so we use an intermittent bolus program, 20 mils of 0.2% ropivacaine three hourly. And this way the block can be run until the patient goes to theater. And then we remove the catheter before surgery. That's uh, fascinating, John. It sounds from your description um, is that uh, you as an expert anaesthetist, you, you are advocating that non-anaesthetists really think about using this technique. So it's more than just us in the operating theatre or limited to us anaesthetists working in sort of tertiary hospitals. Um, is that something that you think is feasible for it to be used a bit more widely? Yes, I, I agree entirely with you, Sean. A fasciolaca block is a particularly good block to use in ED. 
and it can be inserted by junior doctors as well as advanced practice nurses. And it gives very good pain relief um, on movement, especially you know, when these patients are being x-rayed and transferred up to the ward. And um, indeed, in the last report, 76% of patients had a block before surgery. And I would say that many of these were inserted in ED. Um, as well as this, 40% of our patients are transferred from other hospitals. And almost without exception, they all have a block before making their journey, before transfer, which makes their journey much more comfortable. I would think um, overall then that a fascia iliaca block is effective, it's safe, as well as quick and easy to perform, and can be inserted by nurses and junior hospital doctors, and um, even possibly in the future by paramedical staff before the patient even gets to hospital. Oh, that sounds excellent, John. And I would assume that there are resources around both online and within hospitals for people to learn this block? Yes, yes. No, there's, no, there's um, lots of information out there. And um, um, one of our ED consultants has just recently, uh, well, in the, about two years ago, set up um, a training program at our hospital. And I'd be very happy to share that information if anybody wanted it. Oh, thanks very much, John. That's great. Thank you, Sean. Find the lecture version of this talk at www.anzhfr.org and stay tuned for further HIPCAST episodes.